0: Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday morning podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Thanks, Becca. Thanks, Shelly, and worship team for leading us. Sometimes, actually, at first, before I say this, um, dismiss the children to children's church No children's choir today, just everyone going to children's church. Sometimes as we're singing, as pastors, we put together our sermons and we're working on them during the week and then we sing a song like the last one we sang together as a congregation I think, well, we could just go home now. Uh, There's my sermon right there. So, but, well, if you want to leave, you can, but (laughs) I'm still going to talk here for the next 25 minutes or so, but. Feel free to leave if you need to, or follow the kids out if you want to do that. Let's have a word of prayer this morning. God, we are just grateful to, as we've already prayed to to be a people who who live in a country where we are free to gather and worship, and we just thank you for that that liberty that we have. And as we, in gratitude, thank you for those for those freedoms, we also want to remember those. Brothers and sisters around the world today, who who have already worshipped and are worshiping at the cost of their lives, that that they are worshiping, still gathering to worship, and yet there is fear, and and they don't know what might the, what the consequences might be of their worship. And so we remember them. We ask for your protection over them, uh, but more so, Lord, we ask for their faithfulness. That they may continue to proclaim the gospel where they are and that your grace and your love may be known in the midst of their persecution. We pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so we are, I want to invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 13. We're moving into the last chapter of Hebrews. We've been in Hebrews Almost nonstop, we took a little break for Easter, but we've been working through Hebrews since January, and we're going to be uh, finishing up this here in July, and we're finally wrapping this up. And so we're coming to this final chapter, and, and as, as I was looking at this chapter this week, and I'm reading some commentaries, there's a, a lot of commentaries mention the fact that there, there are some scholars who think that chapter 13 of Hebrews doesn't really belong in in hebrews that what happened is somebody found this this other list of writings and they said hey this doesn't really have a place let's put it at the end of hebrews and and they put it together but as we'll see today and and most of the commentaries that i read said this as well that these these verses here are actually connected and so there's a lot going on in these verses we're just going to take a look at a couple this morning but i want to show you how these these verses, as we begin this morning, I want to show you how these verses actually are connected to what we've looked at last week and, and what our author is, is trying to get to us here. So before we start in chapter 13, let's just be reminded of where we were last week in verse 28 of chapter 12. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. And we've been talking about how this letter is being written to this group of people who are in the midst of persecution. As we just prayed for our brothers and sisters who are are facing persecution today around the world, this this was the reality for the people receiving this letter as well. That there's hardship that has come their way, that they've been struggling. We've, We've been told that some of them have been put in prison. Some of them have that, that these recipients have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood with the idea that 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 is probably coming in their lives. And so they're facing this persecution. And our author has said to them, says, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And we talked about this last week, this idea of the firm foundation of what God is doing in the world and through them. That despite all of the turmoil, all that's going on around them, that that because of the work of Christ and that what he has done on the cross, they have a secure foundation and they can have security moving forward because of what God has done. And so he says, because this let us worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. And we talked last week about this idea of worship is not just the gathering to sing, which is definitely a part of it, but it's a whole way of living in which God is being honored and we are living faithfully the lives that God has called us to. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like, but I just want to jump down real quick to to about halfway through chapter 13 so we can see that this is still connected. Verse 15 of chapter 13 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. This language of sacrifice is connected to the language of worship, because for these, for these Jewish Christians, their understanding of worship was the sacrifices. And he says that your lives are to be the sacrifices of praise. That, that the way that you respond here in the midst of your persecution is your worship. And he says in verse 16, he says, do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased that the doing of good, the sharing with others is actually the way in which these Christians worship. And so as we begin to move into chapter 13, I want us verse 28 and then chapter 13, verses 15 and 16 are our bookends for for how our author is saying, here's what it looks like to worship God. Here is what this sacrifice of praise looks like in your life. Here is how this is fleshed out on, the, on a daily basis. And so let's begin with chapter chapter 13, verse 1. He's saying, without these things, our worship is deficient. And he says this, keep on loving each other as brothers or as brothers and sisters. And he uses a word here. Um, he uses this word. We'll put it up here if we have it. There it is. Here's this word. How many of you have seen this word before? Right? It's a city, right? Philadelphia, which means what? Brotherly love, Brotherly love. right? Good. So it comes from two word, two Greek words here that Nathan's going to put up here. Uh, philos, which is love, and adelphos, which is brother. So here he's talking about. He's saying, love each other. So in the in the Greek, this is actually just three words, uh, and it's and it's just. Essentially, it just says remain brotherly, loving each other, and and this is what the the first step as we talk about worship and what it means to worship God faithfully is this: to love, to love our brothers. And we can look if we if we turn, we just flip in a couple chapters. You don't have to do follow this with me, but just a couple places where. Throughout Hebrews, this idea of you are a family unit, you are brothers and sisters, you are together, you are united in Christ. This has been being drawn out, so Hebrews chapter two verses starting in verse ten, he says that is uh, uh, sorry he says in bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering, both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I, the children God has given me. And our author has been making this argument that you as Christians are a family, brothers and sisters. And not only are we a family as Christians, But we are we are brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ that we are. It's not just our family, but it's his family that we have been joined to. And so he says this again, this to keep loving each other with brotherly love. Just one chapter over chapter three, verse six, he says very similarly, he says, but Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. And if we turn, uh, I'm going to have you turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 now. We're just looking at a few passages where this idea keeps coming up for these Christians. You are family. You are brothers. You are sisters. You are united together in Christ. And, I turn, I, and this is this is a theme throughout the New Testament, throughout the, the letters, throughout Acts, throughout all of the epistles. This idea that these Christians are a family. But I turn to just this one example outside of Hebrews and First Thessalonians 4, because First Thessalonians is another letter written to a, a group of people who are who are facing suffering and persecution. And it's it's fascinating to me the way that Paul writes this letter to these Thessalonians. That's so similar. In what he says them, in the face of your persecution, he says this, now, verse nine of First Thessalonians four, says, "Now about brotherly love, the same word here, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other, and in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers, do so more and more. Here again, we have in the face of persecution, the reminder. Love each other as brothers. Love each other as brothers. And in Hebrews, our our author says, Remain in love. And there's a few things that are presupposed by by this idea of remain in this brotherly love. First of all, there's a presupposition that this brotherly love already exists among the community. That there's already some of this brotherly love that, that is happening. But he's urging them to continue more the other thing he presupposes is that this is this is a natural thing for Christians that this brotherly love is not an optional choice for Christians but this is should be an overflow of who we are as Christians that this this love for one another and then finally he presupposes that this love is being threatened that there's a possibility that this love might actually begin to break apart. And so he says, remain in love. And this goes all the way back to the teaching of Jesus. And in Luke chapter 10, there's a well-known parable. There's a, a man comes to Jesus and he says, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, well, what do you think it is? And the man says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind and and then the second is love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, "Yes, that's right." And the man says, "Well, who's my neighbor?" Maybe you've heard the story of the good Samaritan in which Jesus begins to tell a story about a man who is who is robbed on the road and these these two religious leaders come by and and they just ignore the man hurt and beat up on the side of the road and then the Samaritan comes by and he comes and he and he bandages his wounds. He brings him into town. He he pays for him to, to get well. And who is who is the neighbor? Who does who does the man say was the neighbor? Jesus asked the man the question. Who was it? Samaritan, right? It's not a trick question. Uh, and you you've heard this probably heard this parable before, but this this is a a an important parable, one that that we know well because this is key. Jesus' teaching on, on what it means to love God is to also love our neighbors and to love them in a way that cares for those who are in need. Jesus says in John chapter 13, which we read part of today, he says, A new command I give you, that you should love one another. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And he says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. That you love one another. And, and he teaches this, and he, and he tells his disciples that this is what it means to love, and this is what it means to follow me, that, that you become people of love, because there's something fundamentally true about what Jesus knows about who the Father is, and what kind of God we serve. And so I want to invite you to turn to just two passages here. Romans chapter 5. I'm I'm having you jump around a lot right now. But I promise we'll settle down in a second. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 6. He says, Paul is writing, he says, You see, at just the right time, When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in all those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And then jumping down, he says in verse 12, he says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And Jesus is telling his disciples, this is, this is what it means to follow me. And this is how you ought to interact with one another. And our author of Hebrews and Paul are saying, love one another with this brotherly love. Have this love for each other because they know At at its core, at his core, that our God is a God who is overflowing with love, overflowing with love for for our brothers and sisters around us. That we serve a God, and we are loved by a God who loves and 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 loves. He never stops loving. That John, another one of Jesus' disciples, John writes, God is love. That this is a core characteristic of who our God is. That he is a God who loves. And he loves us. And so our author says, look, the way in which you worship. The way in which you respond in the midst of your persecution. And you as brothers and sisters are are in the midst of fear and hardship and struggle and it's so easy to just withdraw. He says, don't do it. Continue to love one another. And then he says this in verse 2. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. I'm reading from the NIV. Does anybody have like a ESV translation. I know my brother does. Where is he? Uh, What does the ESV say? Carol, you're right here. Great. Thank you. Did you hear that? Uh, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Uh, this word, this word, my, my translation said just entertain strangers. Carol said a hospitality to strangers. There's actually, those, again, those three words are just one word, and I'm gonna have Nathan put them up again for you. Uh, philoxenos. What do you think that first word is? Love, right? Have you seen that second word before? Yeah, right. Strangers, right? This is, uh, so really, this is what we have. Phylos and Xenos. He says, first of all, love each other as brothers. And then he says, also, don't forget to love the strangers. Don't love love your family. But also, don't forget, don't neglect to love those outside of the family. And this, um, we're going to, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time, there's, it's a little distracting here, but there's this whole final paragraph about, or final sentence, phrase about entertaining, entertaining angels without knowing it. That's always the part that's like, well, what's, what's he talking about there? Uh, most likely, what he's talking about there is uh, is the story from Genesis 18 and 19. Uh, if you remember, this is a story in which Abraham, three men come to Abraham, and they. They meet with him, and, and Abraham is hosting them. And we find out later that through the conversation that one of the, one of the men that is there is most likely God himself showing up to, to meet with Abraham. And then there are two angels along with him, and the two angels go in and, and also meet with Abraham's nephew, Lot. And so most likely this is what our author is, is referencing. And he's not necessarily saying that, hey, as you entertain strangers, you can turn the lights up now, Nathan. Hey as you entertain strangers there might there's a good chance that you'll have an angel show up instead of instead of a human uh, that but I think what he's saying is is look you do not know the blessing you do not know what this person has to offer you and so he encourages them to show hospitality to 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 love the stranger to love those who are outside in the same way that you are loving the brothers and sisters and I think this is really important because our tendency, again, in the face of persecution, in the face of hardships, in the face of danger, in the face of our fears, when things get hard, when we're not sure what might happen, our tendency is to to draw in on ourselves and to put up walls. And to protect ourselves. And to say, here are the things that I need to do. Here are the people that I need to keep away from me. Here are the people that, that if I'm gonna protect my family, if I'm gonna protect myself, I don't know what that person might do to me. And so I'm gonna push them away. And in the face of suffering and hardship and persecution, we often turn away from love and we turn towards fear. And what we're being told here is that the way in which we worship God is that in the face of our fear, we are loved by a God who loves and loves and loves and loves and loves and loves. And we are called to represent a God who loves and loves and loves and loves by choosing to show love even when it may cost us. Here you have a people who are, are being thrown into prison, who we've just been told in the last chapter, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. And yet, because... You have a solid foundation. You are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You do not have to be afraid of what might happen to you. You may be thrown into prison. You may be killed. But don't let that stop you from loving. Don't let that stop you from loving those around you. this word hospitality is an important one and i think it's a i think it's a good translation for this idea of what it means to to have this philozenos this love of stranger often our culture uh, preaches this idea of, of tolerance that we are to tolerate those who are different from us. But this is not a biblical concept. What the scripture tells us is that we it's not that we tolerate those who have, are different from us. What scripture tells us is that we love those who are different from us. That we don't just put up with them. But we welcome them in. You think about what it means to show hospitality to a guest in your home. You don't just open up the door and say, yeah, alright, you want to make a sandwich? There's the fridge, you know, do it, do what you need to do. But we welcome them in, we make them comfortable. We want them to feel at home and restful when we welcome somebody in and we show them hospitality. We care for them. Can, can I get you anything? Are you okay? Can I get you more or something? This is hospitality and and the calling of how we worship our god as people who are who are secure in a in a kingdom that cannot be shaken I and mean, this is this is foundational that we we have to understand that it's not just hey this is something we might want to do but it's an understanding that this is what god has done and is doing in us as christians because of the love that he has for us and what he has done through the cross of christ We have this security that we can choose, we can choose to welcome in the stranger and to show love to those who are different. And we seek to actually understand and learn from those who are different. And we listen to them and we minister to them and we serve them and we love them because God loves them. And this is hard when we talk about it, isn't it? This is not this is not something that we just oh yeah sure I mean it's really easy to talk about, um, but when we when we talk about and we get into the the actual day to day relationship and this is true for the brother we love too right? I mean not my brother it's easy for him to love me but. Um, but when when we start to get into like this this is a great concept, like, oh yeah, maybe maybe I should, I should do that, but oftentimes uh it's it's really scary, and it's really difficult, and yet the calling again, this is how we worship, and what we do when we gather on Sunday mornings and we sing songs like the songs that we've sung this morning. This is a, this is a training ground for us. A time in which we proclaim the truth of who our God is and we remind ourselves of the foundation upon which we stand. And we're reminded of the calling of what it means to live this out in our world. And so we come and we talk about this and we think about it and we interact and we do it as a community. So that we can be sent out to worship in our world through our love for one another and our love for the strangers. And it takes a constant. I mean, a, a constant. Okay, this person makes me afraid. This person is someone that I, but I'm going to choose to open my arms to them anyway. Here's someone who i don't I don't know them very well um, maybe they they look different than me they act differently but i'm gonna i'm gonna go and i'm gonna have a conversation i'm gonna seek to understand what are you afraid of and in doing so. In This is what Jesus says. This is how people will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. The understanding is that the way in which we love proclaims the gospel of a God who loves and loves and loves and loves and loves and loves and loves. And loves. And when the world sees our love, hopefully they may not be able to name that love as the love of God yet. But we know what it is. And we know that that love, that love is worship. And it's a praise to our God. He has a passage here uh, next verse here is on prisoners. I think we'll look at that in a couple weeks. Um, let's let's go to the Lord in prayer God as we uh, as we think about what it means to love our brothers and to love the strangers um, we ask first and foremost to just be reminded of your love for us, to be reminded of the fact that your love for us came while we were strangers. And that while we were strangers, while we were yet sinners, while we were, at, while we were at enmity with you, you loved us and you welcomed us in and you made us brothers and sisters of your Son, Jesus Christ. And so as we are reminded of that, we ask for the courage in the face of, of our fear to show love, that when it gets hard, when it feels like suffering may be the result of our love, may we continue to show love. May we remember and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, And God, we uh, in this country that enjoy so much freedom uh, do not have to fear a cross. But perhaps our love may cost us something. And yet you have told us that this is so much better way to live. And so in the midst of all the costs, may we worship you through our love. Amen. It's the 4th of July weekend. We're celebrating our freedom. And so, as we do so, I want to leave these verses in your mind. This is from Galatians chapter 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this weekend, uh, tomorrow, as you enjoy barbecues and fireworks, and are celebrating your freedom, uh, may you use your freedom to serve one another in love.